gonna get it together. I'm gonna get it together. And you full on didn't I get didn't. it together. You were like, well, I'll go. I was like, wait, 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 wait. And you decided to ask for some candy <laughs> right at the before. last minute. Can we get some candy? <laughs> Or some kind of, can I just have a little pile of sugar like a hummingbird? <laughs> what are those things called that celebrities, uh, the cocaine like, oh. <laughs> like if you're coming for concert at the morrison center and you have your oh, a writer your writer, writer you need yeah. to add candy to your writer before do, you come yeah. over i need some sugar like a big glass of ice water yeah. some candy yeah i was very dehydrated when i came over and um and i just need i just need a little pick me up you know a little a little dopamine. I just need a little dopamine. I just need somebody cute to text me. We don't even have sugar cereal, okay? <laughs> Good oh gosh. my gosh. I talk, you know what I had the other day that I have not had since I was a child and I was making fun of Alex for eating? Frosted Flakes. Lucky Charms. Oh my God. And I had not had, he was eating Lucky Charms because the kids had gotten some and I was like, we can't be eating Lucky Charms. You can't eat Lucky Charms as an adult. And I had a bowl and I was like, these are incredible. <laughs> these are so good. Really? Yeah. And I was even like, I bet this, because he was like, try a bite, try a bite. And I was like, no, it's disgusting. I'm not going to eat Lucky Charms. I'm not a child. And it's, I was like, it's marshmallows. Like, like it's not even like a But isn't it those cereal. like weird colored marshmallows that turn your milk like a weird gray pink color? I mean, I don't, I'm not a cereal milk drinker. I'm not one of those people. I know that's some people's thing. No, people love a cereal that is, milk. I'm, I, I don't like, care for I that. can't, like when Bodhi eats cereal in the morning, I have to leave the room. I'm so grossed out by cereal milk. Me too. Milk. It's and Lucky Charm cereal milk, actually the worst is Fruity Pebbles. It makes okay. the ugliest color gross milk. Brownish purple. With like, it's like slightly pink. It's slightly like. It's the slightly pink that does it for me. Yeah. It's grosser to me than drinking breast milk like i would drink breast milk before i drink cereal cereal and this would be an option for you in what way oh people are constantly i'm like so you're gonna get your hands on breast milk it could happen people offer you know no i'm in a serious shortage right now formula breast milk like i don't even be thinking like you're gonna have breast milk it's uh save it for the babies it's on all those people tweeting like just breastfeed like it's nothing like my god i breastfed three kids all of them for till they were like just about two and the other day i was thinking about it and i was like that's a master's degree i could have had a master's degree oh for sure instead of breastfeeding three people who now you breastfeed like when my kids were little i was like so careful about what they ate and like i breastfeed till they were almost breastfed till they were two and i was like you know like it's so important it's so important and like the other day um Arthur for dinner had two monster energy drinks and a whole bag of Takis. And I was like, I should have just, I should have started them on like Yoohoo and Cheetos like they do in the South and like gotten a law degree. <laughs> what a waste of Baby my time. with Kool-Aid. Yeah, for sure. And also like, you know, I, my first two kids were really easy to breastfeed and I didn't have any trouble other than it's insanely painful. Like your nipples chap and bleed and like you get scabs. If you can get them to latch. If you can get them to latch yeah. and it's a whole thing. But by my time I had my third, I thought, oh, this will be really easy. It won't be a problem. And um, Arthur had a tongue tie, which we didn't realize for a while. And I had mastitis for like, which mastitis was more oh, painful God, than giving birth just hell. your boob swells and swell because it's basically a clogged milk duct and then your boob just continues oh. to get bigger and bigger and it was so painful and awful and you get a fever i mean it's an infection like you get yeah. a, an infection and it. it's like and i thought i was going to die and that was my third kid 
you know, I had had four years a bachelor's degree in nursing by that time and still had like a really hard time and people just acting like it's nothing and it like isn't massively time consuming hard on your body. When I was breastfeeding Henry, um, he was such a like big kid and was breastfeeding so much. I would have to every morning drink a whole can of coconut milk, like from, you know, like all that fat and stuff. And I was like 105 pounds and drinking, chugging cans of coconut milk just to get enough calories like that's got to be bad on your body. I'm probably going to lose teeth, you know, like it's not great. Well, and thank God for things that have been developed like formula. Yeah. Like when my mom, um, my mom had four kids and when my brother was born, uh, he would not nurse, absolutely refused. He was completely wasting away. There wasn't formula options. He couldn't drink. He was allergic to cow's milk. Mm-hmm. We didn't, they didn't even have like other milk options. And he's like, it stunted his growth and he's bow-legged. <laughs> like, he is bow-legged. And that was just from the 80s. Yeah. You yeah. know, like... That was there's even like, like 100 things, years ago he got rickets. Right. Thank, like. <laughs> thank God there's science yeah. now that they can tackle those problems that are not your fault, that you can't, you yeah. know, you can't accommodate just with your body, like to invent something new for your child. And I think of like, you know, how how many people and specifically like... You know, my my kid's dad, who for years has maintained that I just like just stayed at home with the kids and was lazy, you know, and like didn't do anything with my life. And I'm like, if I think it's like it's a really unfortunate because when I think of like what I could have, I'm not I don't regret staying home with my kids. Um, Like those were sweet years with my babies. But I do feel like like what what art and other like cool shit could I have made? like during that time and gotten better at comedy or writing and all these other things but instead I just was literally sitting there with a person attached to my tit you know like it wasn't really well at least you have that for an excuse yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> I could have just been I didn't in... have three kids and you know I still made nothing of myself <laughs> but I just I, I think it's a very a uh, very annoying debate when people like and people are like you could just breastfeed you could just breastfeed and it's like uh, of course because that's a primarily something women do yeah it's just it's another uh free labor check in the list of men have no idea how women's bodies work at all yeah and also oh my gosh the millions of times i got yelled at by people for breastfeeding in In public public, right and like got hassled and like one time i was um breastfeeding my son i i we only had one car and i went to go pick my uh husband up at work and i was sitting in their lobby breastfeeding under a blanket yeah and um his boss came in and was talking to me and then he was like where's the baby and i was like um he's eating right now and he was like right now right now he's eating and i was like you're eating you're eating a sandwich right now like i can i was like he was like right oh my god he's like on your oh my god oh my god you got to do that in the car go out to the car and we were in uh deep south mississippi and it was like 105 degrees 100 humidity i'm like you want me to take my infant baby out to the car and nurse and he was like it's disgusting it's disgusting and and then those are the same people like just breastfeed and also never go out in public you know like was really awful yeah Yeah. amazing so it's we haven't done this in a while oh my god welcome to couple skate i'm em arnold (laughs) this is pitch and also like why do we have to start every episode of couple skate saying we haven't done this in a while i know oh why because of covid um i didn't start it but it's true i usually like i usually start it by being like and I, I was careful this week. I was like, I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to say it. It's been a long week. <laughs> it's been a long week. A long two it weeks, a long month. month. I think it's been, been a month. long. It's been a long month. 
Um, but we haven't been out here for a month. Yeah. Well, for one thing, I mean, there was this was not one of the reasons at all, but it's been hideous weather. Yeah. It is like spring never came until just this very Today. minute. Today. Like last night, I was wearing my winter coat, my down winter coat and a hat. Yesterday. And it was blowing a fucking gale. We had a wind advisory yesterday. And uh, man, nothing does me always like the with the wind advisories in this goddamn place. It really, and it's like it'll be nine a.m. to nine p.m. Perfect. You Great. mean the entire the entire of the day. day? Wonderful. Yeah, I wind gets to me. It gets in my bones, mm-hmm. and it puts me in a mood. Yesterday, I had all these things to do, and I ended up like taking a bath and laying in my bed, and then just being like, "No, nope, it's a wash today. I can't." It's. I just. I literally was like, "It's windy. I can't get anything done." What am I going to do? It's windy. It's too windy. And then- I, I was working, but I was working so inefficiently. Mm. I was like, you know what? If I just tabled this, I literally could get everything that I got done today done in 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how much I was able to do because I do, it was just like, where do I go to find this information that should be right here? Oh, it's howling wind. <laughs> I know I had like it's three so- posts. I had like, you know, post about some shows I'm doing with Jeff Tate in June. And uh, it took me like an hour and 45 minutes to make an Instagram post where I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really terrible. I don't know it's how just, people. I think, okay, so what is that thing? Uh, it, what is it called historical memory or something like mm-hmm. that I think it's related like it goes back into generations yeah it's generational trauma it is generational <laughs> yeah. trauma I really believe it it's like uh, you know our ancestors came out here to the plains or something and they were living in mud shacks and you could hear the wind through the one window that you had and like yeah. you know or or from the great depression or something like something. I feel like it's so deep in my bones that it 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 gives me incredible anxiety yeah when i yeah. when i moved back to idaho i moved uh in with my parents for a few months and i moved in the month of november and my parents live on a on uh a, in a part in a part of idaho called sunny slope it's not like a town it's just a place um, but it's a slope. Sunny slope. Sunny it's not slope. a town. It should it's be just called <laughs> windy slope because the wind is intense and the doors rattle and the windows rattle. And I thought I was going to lose my fucking mind. I was like, I can't take the wind anymore. Like it would just all night long. It would just haunt you Mm -hmm. and then out you know you try and go out during the day and you're just like you're fighting against something yeah i had to move out i was like (laughs) guess i have to get my own place you know in town because i couldn't take it It yeah it's really bad where i grew up uh up in the Pasemurai, it gets really windy up there and i kind of i know like that's how i feel even when we were just driving down to denver we stopped in Wyoming and it was so windy in like Rollins and a couple of places where we stopped for ga- gas. I was like, and it, for you, you said it gives you anxiety. It like makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Like it makes me feel like mean and like I want to fight somebody. And it just like really, like you said, if I can feel it in my bones and it makes me so like bitter and uh, it makes me feel old, but like, like really old mad old lived your life bad old and it's you know like it just it gets into me and yeah I don't know it's it haunts me so that's how I felt all day yesterday is that my like my grandma Eleanor 
uh, was living in my bones and it was not great. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get anything, anything done, nothing. I mean, you know, in that mom way where you're like, I didn't get anything done. And then if you actually listed what you did during the day, people be like, wow, what a busy day. But, you know, nothing that made money, basically. The one thing that I accomplished was I accepted delivery of my couch that I uh, uh, ordered, what, three months ago and have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting like everybody who ordered a couch uh, in the last two years. And was really excited but also like really aggravated because you never have any information and they're like you know you don't know when it's coming and then they're like oh it's coming on thursday and then they're like you have to be available from 8 a.m to 8 p.m and i'm like whose life is can be available from 8 a.m to 8 p.m and then they said oh we'll call we'll have somebody call you the day before and give you a four-hour window that never happened so finally they called 20 minutes before they were to arrive and then i watched this three-man team (laughs) pull up in this giant semi um drop the couch in the box onto the road drop the couch getting it out of the box drop the couch and ram it into the side of my house and put a hole in my vinyl oh, no. siding. Oh, and, and then this is the white glove service that I paid extra money for. <laughs> the white glove service. Oh, sorry about your house. <laughs> yeah, they just like, I they full on. And I'm like, you know, I could have just had them leave it on the front patio in the box and Dave and Bodie would have very carefully un- unpacked it and loaded it in. But instead, I just watched them like careen this fucking thing. Put a hole in your house? <laughs> there is a hole in my house. <laughs> and then, which of course they admit and they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, the company will take care of it. No, this company is never taking care of no. it. They're already passing the buck. Like, you know, you have to fill out all this paperwork. I'm like, so now I get to spend you know, two and a half days filling out paperwork, following up with with uh, photos and information and making Are you sure, sure the, I have the, the right house didn't have a hole in it already? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh my God, you guys. Wow. Really? So yeah, that and then so that really put me in a great mood. Jet. 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 It's our other signature signature event for the yeah. <laughs> there has to be there has to be a jet. There has to be some kind of technical failure about three quarters of the way through. Uh, dog. We do have three dog. dogs. Yeah. Um, and then the neighbor dogs will probably come out and bark at our dogs. Yeah. So there's got to be barking. A lot of barking at some point. Yeah. Wow, that's a really loud. It's our jet. signature style. <laughs> So anyway, you uh, also owe the people an apology for canceling on your tour dates. Oh my God. It was such a mess. I (laughs) I can't believe it. I'm so sorry to the people of Colorado that again, I got COVID. This is the third time I've had COVID. For like as careful as you, you've been one of the most careful people through this whole thing. There's just people just frolicking around. Yeah. Unmasked. I mean, I haven't gotten COVID. I have a, I have a shitty immune system and that, you know, from the very beginning of this was kind of the, the worry that like I get everything. And in fact, when I used to tour, I used to just be sick all the time. And, um, and it would, you know, that was, I kind of always knew like, if there's a new virus out there, I'm going to get it like monkeypox. I'm like, Oh, fantastic. One more, (laughs) add it to the list of things. But 
Yeah, um, it really sucked because I was down in Denver and I had done a few shows and then um, I had a couple days off from shows and I started feeling a little off, but it was like mostly, mostly gastrointestinal and so I figured it was my usual um, chronic illness stuff. And then so we drove down to Trinidad where the festival was at and um, on the drive down there, my nose started getting like really stuffy and I took an Allegra and nothing was helping and I just started feeling like worse and worse and worse. And by the time we got there, I was like, and I've, this is the third time I've had COVID. I was like, I have COVID. I can tell I have COVID. Like just the way I felt, felt it feels so distinctly different from a cold or yeah. the flu. So yeah, I was like, a weird I was like, I can tell, like, I just feel bad. Um, but I was still kind of like, I mean, I probably don't. I probably just, you know, I'm probably just a little under the weather. So I had Alex go and get me a test because I was like, well, you know, I don't want to get everybody else on the festival sick and the audience sick. So I was like, I'm just going to test just to be polite. I'm sure it's not actually COVID. I'm just being paranoid. And it was like an hour before showtime and I tested and it was positive. And I was like, Gee, oh, great. So I talked to the people and they were like, don't worry about it. We'll handle it. Um, but it sucked because it was a big chunk out of the money I was sort of expecting to make on that tour. But also I was looking forward to it so much. That trip we I had just been so excited about and I was really excited about that festival. And uh yeah, and a lot of people drove down from Denver to see me uh, at the festival, and uh, I didn't get to see any of the comics. None of my friends, like, I'd been like, oh, my God, I'm going to see all my friends. And uh, my friend Babs Gray was staying in the room next to me, and I could hear her, like, next door, and she kept walking by my window, and I was just like, Babs, Babs, <laughs> and crying. Um, and then I was really, really sick, and luckily Alex... Um, he had driven down to hang out with me for part of Denver, but he wasn't planning to stay. And, um, and then he was, when I started feeling sick, I was like, I think you should probably come down to Trinidad with me just in case, like my chronic illness, like really flares up. Cause you know, if it gets really bad, I have to go to the emergency room and all that stuff. So I was like, maybe you should just come with me just in case. Well, luckily, or I would be stranded. Yeah, in Trinidad. I was worried when you said that you had COVID cause we were texting and I was like, Oh shit! She was supposed to fly home. Yeah, I would have been stuck for at least. And I was really like, after that, it started to escalate. How long did you stay? Or did you guys just leave? So the next morning, we stayed there that night, and then the next morning, Alex drove me home, sixteen hours, and <gasps> I was so sick and like really out of it. I slept for a lot of it, but um, yeah, he just drove the full thing, sixteen hours in no. one go. And that's um, marriage for you. Yeah, I know. That's what a sweet reason you get married. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh. hero shit. And then it was funny. My mom was like, well, have him mask in the car so he doesn't get it. He's getting it. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get it. So then we got home and then on he he ended up getting it the day we got home and like was pretty sick, too. So um, not as bad. I will say, like, you know, it definitely wasn't as bad as the other two times that I had COVID. <laughs> But it was still pretty bad. And honestly, the whole trip, I mean, I I hate to, uh, I know I'm always quitting comedy. I know <laughs> I am. But I really like, I really was kind of like, yeah, I can't keep doing this. Like I can't, you know, for one thing, touring just doesn't pay what it used to. The travel is so much more expensive. Yeah. You know, I just had to cancel a bunch of dates in the Midwest because a flight to Chicago was like 780 bucks. And I was like, yeah, I, I can't. And a rental car was going to be just as much. And right. I was like, I can't swing this anymore. You know, like the money you make touring is not enough to to make it worth it. But I was also like, I can't get every single variant, you know, like I, every time I go out, 
Every time I get but sick. But now, we're, even if it's not COVID, we're all so susceptible. <clears throat> I went into the office, which I only do maybe once every three to four weeks because we have a hybrid office. And I went in on Thursday for less than two hours. And there was uh, one of my coworkers was there and she had kind of a raspy voice and was coughing a little bit, but she was like, it's not, it's not anything. It's because I've been talking and I, my voice gave out. Well, then the next morning she sent the whole stuff an email saying, actually, I woke up with a fever and Fantastic. So <laughs> I'm sick. And I was like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And wouldn't you know it, Saturday came and I was sick as a dog. Mm -hmm. And I was sick all weekend. And I was like, I don't really blame her. Like, I'm sure that it was not in any way like on purpose or that she would have done it had she known at all. But now I know I'm so susceptible because yeah. I haven't been exposed to anything. So immediately if there's a germ, it's coming my way. I mean, I have been sick once with COVID but sick every single month this year for five months. Mm -hmm. And before that, of course, I had my um, emergency surgery. Like I cannot get on top of my health. And I, I particularly in May, I was like, started out really good. I was exercising every day. I was getting my 10,000 steps. I got a, um, a walking desk, treadmill desk. You're doing the David Sedaris Jello diet. I'm doing the David Sedaris Jello <laughs> diet. Like I was feeling like, okay, I'm on top of this. And then it just tanks. Like I can get two weeks of healthy living and then I'm just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, I, we had the same, so I had to miss my uncle's memorial. Yeah. Um, which I was supposed to sing. So I was a little bit like, oh darn, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Cause I was not, I was kind of like, I haven't, they were like, you always sing at the funerals. And I'm like, I haven't sung in 20 years. I don't know what we're all talking about here, but um, which it was sad to miss it. But then um, everybody got, not everybody, but a few people got COVID at that, of course. And, um, but then also uh, Arthur came, Arthur got sick and we were like, what well, must be COVID? We tested him and it was just a cold, which now I have, yeah. I have his cold. I, a week after I got COVID, or I mean, it's, it's been over two weeks now, but like I had COVID two and a half weeks ago and now I have a cold on top of that. Like I w was all the way better and now I have a cold. And I'm like, oh my God, like I just can't every do single, this forever. Every single week, one of us <clears throat> has been sick. Yeah, yeah, it's just exhausting. So, and also, you know, like I've been so looking forward to doing comedy in Denver and I was so excited and... um when, and I had a like the Grolic show is great. They were so nice. Those guys are just like lovely. I I had such a good time with them, um, and 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 I met some. The problem with comedy is is I'll be like I don't want to do this anymore. But then you meet really cool people. Like I met a couple people on other shows where I was just like, oh my god, this is my this person is so amazing. Um, but some of the other stuff I did when I was down there, I was just like, oh man, I'm I'm kind of over this. You know, like I'm kind of like one of the one of the bookers was a real ding dong to me and I was just like I'm tired of this I'm tired of dealing with this it's just like nothing has changed you know it's 10 years and and it's the same shit from the same guys and the same yeah for the same pay for the same pay less less, than, less yeah. because COVID has fucked people so bad that like yeah. you know shows where they used to be like oh this pays like 800 they're like we do 200 now you know so it's like it just it just all kind of seemed like and I felt like 
honestly, as far as touring, I've been talking to other comedians about this, about like, how do we do this? Like, what does this look like going forward? Because like, you know, the money is worse. The travel is more expensive. It's, you know, you're going to get sick if you go out. But also, like, even environmentally, I was kind of like, so, so what are we doing? We're just like flying to Myrtle Beach for $1,200. And, uh, the ticket cost me 600 and and environmentally i just like burned up a bunch of jet fuel so that like potentially over the course of a weekend like 800 to a thousand people can see me do comedy who could watch me on youtube you know who i if i just start putting up more sets and stuff could just watch me on youtube and uh we expend no resources and i don't get COVID that way so it was kind of weird and um and i also had this experience so one of the nights um <clears throat> was the wrote when the Roe v. Wade stuff leaked and and everybody was so upset and I was on a show with all men and I was the only woman and every dude who went up was just like um you know you know like usual bullshit and uh I just the whole time felt like I felt I got up and I did a whole set on abortion and I talked about a lot of stuff about abortion and you know jokes I had and just stuff that I kind of have been noodling and talking about and uh and it went fine it, the set was fine it's not like I bombed or anything but afterward I was like I had this really different experience where I was like laughter is not what I wanted from those people if that makes sense like you know that's my job and that's what I was there for so that's what I did is get laughs but when I got off stage, I felt like really frustrated and um, kind of angry. And uh, I felt like, no, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't this isn't what I wanted. And also there was a booker there who I really don't like, who's super, super sexist. It wasn't their show. They were just in town visiting. And this person is so fucking sexist. In fact, when I saw that they were there, I have called them out publicly a whole bunch of times. And I saw they were there and I was like, oh, fantastic. Wonderful how are you <laughs> still terrible? Um, but, but they were there with another comedian who is like a, you know, just like a good old boy kind of not, I wouldn't say he's far right, but he's like right leaning politics and stuff. And, um, they were talking about like my abortion jokes and kind of like, Oh, you're never going to win anybody over with that. And I was like, I don't want to be part of this world anymore. Like I just had this really, I, I'm sorry if people are watching who are fans of my comedy, I think I might be done. Like every time I say it, I've been talking to Alex about it. But maybe it's just, you're not getting rid of comedy. Maybe there's a way that you can apply these feelings to a more relevant experience for yourself. I mean, maybe I, that is, you know, <clears throat> I mean, there's no way you're not going to be funny because that's the way that you no, see. No, I quit. <laughs> I'm that's the way you see the world, and and you, you're, you know, the way that your brain works is 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 a comedy brain, but maybe it's not being a touring comic in a dying market. Yeah, you know? maybe yeah. it's something else. Maybe it is writing. Maybe it's something. I mean, I mean, I maybe it's writing a show. Maybe it's writing a script maybe it's something like that. well that's what I'm saying is I yeah. think like you know I didn't start comedy like a lot of people did like I think a lot of my friends started it because they were like already a huge fan of comedy really really wanted to be comedians like dedicated themselves body and soul to it because it was like the thing that they loved the most in the world right whereas for me I like do not watch comedy um I, I love it in a lot of ways but like 
I feel like most of the comedians I know are like, this is the pinnacle art form. And I'm like, we are bar clowns. That's <laughs> how I feel about it. Like, please stop assigning a whole bunch of importance to it. It's embarrassing is how I feel about it. Um, you know, not that we don't like do socially relevant things and, you know. You can. We can. And I and I think what we do can be important uh, but you need to approach it like it's not. Um, it's like any other art form. You can be yeah. a garbage, garbage painter. Yes. Or you can be a genius painter. But just because you're a painter doesn't make you an artist. Yes. Yeah. And and I started comedy because, you know, I had nothing else and was like, fuck, I guess I'll be a comedian. And um, it's been amazing. I have gotten to travel and I've gotten to meet amazing people. I've made so many friends. Uh, there are so many gifts that have come along with you have it. This remarkable podcast. I have this remarkable, frequent, <laughs> remarkable podcast. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's been a lot of it a joy. It's been a lot of it the the most heartbreaking, horrible. Uh, so it's hard like thing. being a parent and now you're like please go to college yeah now. I'm like baby's leaving the <laughs> nest and mommy's gonna write her book so yeah I just I think I I felt really I felt really different than I thought I would I thought I would go to Denver and like you said I have been trying for the last couple of years in COVID to be like um you know to fall back in love with comedy and to find a way to be in it to be like okay I have to start charging more I have to start respecting myself and not doing garbage gigs I have to you know I I think like I have really tried to exist in it in a way that I'm like this is sustainable um but I also I just I you know I'm friends with like Jackie Cation and and Lori Kilmartin and I've talked to them about like how they like they love comedy and they think about it and Jackie will like she's like I'll literally die if I don't do at least one set a week like she always has to be doing it and I went 16 months when during the beginning of COVID without doing it and was like yeah that was great I mean at the end of the day like it's my job and I don't I feel like I a lot of people love it and are dedicated in it to it in a way that I'm like it feels like my job you know and I don't know I it was it was surprising I thought I would go down to Denver do those shows do the but festival also, like, why do you have to love it if it's your job if it's something that you do well and you can make a living at, like what, where is the way that you can um, be a career comic or, or whatever you want to call it and have it be your job? Like I just sort of loathe this whole um, love what you do, do what you love, like yeah. live your passion bullshit. Like that is accessible to half a percent of our population and it trivializes what work is for other people um and also like makes you carry around like like a weird weight about it mm -hmm. you know like and I feel almost like it was a line that was fed to us by Oprah by our baby boomer parents that really doesn't hold a lot of truth for most people and so I'm not saying that you shouldn't be fulfilled by the way that you spend a majority of your time. I'm just saying like maybe it's actually healthier for you to not be like, I'm obsessed with comedy. I spend 24-7 thinking about comedy. Like, well, maybe you're just like an actual real life person with a real with, a, you know, a lot of interests, a lot of obligations, a family, 
um, you know, like yeah. you have a life. Yeah, I texted I texted Jeff Tate when like the night the night of one of those shows that Thursday night, and I was I was like, man, I think I know I tell you this all the time, but I was like, I think I'm done. Like I really think I'm done. And he was like, for reals, and I was like, yeah, dude, I think I'm done. And he was like, you know, maybe it's just that like when you were touring before, you didn't really have like a happy life to come home to. So the road was like your release and your yeah. escape. And you were really, really happy to get out there and happy to travel. And he's like, now you're now you have a really happy home life. And you're like, why the fuck <laughs> would I ever leave? But maybe there's a balance. I think that's what he's saying, too. And I I'm not saying don't give up what you don't like about your job. I'm saying how can you take the parts of it that you do like um you know being around inspirational people and um yeah you know like what parts of it attracted to you attracted you to it in the beginning that you can then translate those skills into a job that you do like. I think you know I I think I'm not saying I would never do comedy again. I just don't think uh, I don't know. I just feel like something majorly shifted for me. Yeah. And for sure. also I've been writing a lot more and um, working on a lot of like bigger projects. Like we just finished a script that we're going to be shooting with Jeff Tate in June that I'm very um, not a script, but like we're doing like a comedy documentary and like we mapped it all out um, and like have this whole idea for like how we're going to do this cool documentary of like these shows that we're doing. And, and I just like, and obviously that's comedy related, yeah. but like in sort of mapping that stuff out and doing stuff, I was kind of like, ah. but it was also very funny because, um, uh, I had told Jeff, uh, I was like, I just am done. I don't want to do it. And I was like, Amy can have it. Our friend, Amy, who's a, a comedian. I was like, Amy, Amy, Amy can have comedy. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to be a writer or something. I don't know. I'm going back to erotica. And, uh, and then it was one of those like your mouth to God's ears type things because, uh, that's who took over for me, um, who got those shows for me uh, at the festival. Because when I got COVID, they were like, we'll just have Amy do them. And I was like, wow, I really spoke that into being, didn't I? <laughs> Fucking, that was my aunt. That was on me. I said, Amy could have comedy. And right away, the universe was like, I mean, if you want. And I was like, all right. But I did. I don't know. I think I'm a big believer that um, when you're thinking about change, a change or, you know, um, about making a decision or whatever, you should say it out loud a bunch to see how your gut feels every time you yeah, say it to sure. somebody. And every time I say, I'm quitting comedy, I get like giddy. I start like giggling almost. And I get like, I like literally almost start crying, but in that like, like in that exhausted relief way, like the idea of quitting makes me feel so good it makes me feel so good and i i don't know what to do with that quite yet so because i have a bunch of stuff booked for this summer so we'll see how it goes but are um, you doing the thing though i mean i guess it's my own existential crisis that's speaking here but i feel like we all law have lost our way so much mm. that before when i i mean i've never been like the strict on on a path person i mean i've had sort of vague goals in adulthood but like now we're all scraping the insides of ourselves and thinking who the fuck am i yeah and if i have like okay i'm 45 years old now what's the second half look like because i don't want to do all of that again but i have just a really really hard time 
even figuring out like not what it is, but how to figure out what it is. Like I can't even get to the root of self. You should go to Denver. (laughs) (laughs) You'll figure it all out in Denver. Well, so I've been trying to just take it all with a grain of salt because I do feel like I'm not, it's almost like I just graduated high school or something again, where I am so out of sorts that I really can't be trusted to make a decision. (laughs) (laughs) So instead I'm just like, I'm just not going to put like a ton of weight on this. I'm going to keep doing the things that I have to do and try and find, you know, a small handful of things that I enjoy in my day to day, but I'm kind of not in a position to make life changing decisions. Um, And I think that's actually what's been the best for me in my life sometimes is I tend to take things so seriously and heavily and, you know, make a 180 degree turn and like, why don't you just do like a 2% turn? (laughs) Just Just a little nudge. Just keep nudging a little bit. Yeah. And a lot of this is because Dave made a big career change, not into, as though you might think, a job that makes lots of money. <laughs> he took a different way. He took a different path from that, <laughs> even though that was recommended by all of us. Um, we told him to make just to make a lot of money. <laughs> I know. And he was like, I'm going to get a different job, but I'm actually going to make less money. Perfect. Significantly perfect, perfect. less. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's I think it's a good I think what he did was actually the right thing. Um, but when I was talking to him about it, I was like, you just have to make um incremental change we live in a culture that is about dramatic drastic change and so much of that has been forced upon us and i'm like you know we tend to think of like well this change is permanent it's like almost like we can't think beyond um we can only think like well if i when i do this that's the choice that I'm making Mm -hmm. rather than seeing like, well, if I do this, then I can do this, then I can do this, then I can do this. Um, and also feeling like you can make a change and then you can make another change and you're not stuck in anything. Yeah. And you can be share, you can retire and unretire 55 times. Exactly. You, know? you yeah. can be Elizabeth Taylor and get married and get divorced and get married and get divorced and get married and get divorced and get married and get divorced. Like you're not, I mean, <laughs> here I am saying you can get married five times and I don't believe in that, but um, you can make a million choices. You're not just making one choice and you can make them today, tomorrow, two years from now, three years from now. It's not like, oh, this is going to send you off on a trajectory that you can't get. Yeah. You can't get off of. Like you can (laughs) quit comedy today. You can go do some shows with Jeff. You can take up comedy when you're fucking 65. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, I'm giving up comedy and I'm becoming a accountant. Oh, no. I mean. What I what I want is I just want some goats and I just want to go live in the woods and uh, write books and raise some goats. That sounds like where I'm at emotionally. Have you ever dealt with goats? Yeah, we had goats. Okay. I'm a, I can milk a goat so fast. it would. Goats it would, are a lot. Yeah. 
I know, but the pygmy goats are so How fun. about miniature donkeys? Okay, miniature donkeys. Alex is Oh my it. gosh, there was a miniature, or no, not a miniature donkey, a regular-sized donkey that um, had her debut at the Metropolitan Opera. Oh. She looks freaking adorable. Donkeys are so cute. We had a burrow oh, when I was love, a kid. Oh my God, a nothing cuter like than a burrow. A horse bunny. Yes, it's a horse bunny. It's a horse bunny. And they're so soft. You wouldn't believe how soft they are. On our route to I school when I was in, in high school, every we would pass by this farm where every spring they had a baby burrow. A little brown baby burrow. And I mean, it was truly the highlight of my childhood just driving by that yeah. thing. It was so fucking cute. Yeah. Well, well, and do nice. You have, do you and have a nice. Note? Do you have a producer note? I was going to showcase why you can't. Oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is so rude. I have a problem saying numbers. I have a problem like. Here, I'm going to say this number. Okay. So like if a number is longer than like six yeah, digits. Yeah, what is that number? I have a hard time saying it. So 2,000, 2, 260,000, 264,000, 264,000, 595,000. 
every time is different and every crowd is different and every time is you have to be in the present and be with those people and we all get to experience something together that nobody else gets to be a part of and i that's the magic of it for me and when i was in denver i was like i don't want to be around these people <laughs> i want to go home i just don't like i i don't know and some of it also is i feel like comedy for a lot of people comes from you know a t like you're coming from a place of kind of like seeking approval seeking attention and like getting a laugh is like um it's challenging and it's like a hard thing to get from people and um i just i don't know i just felt different i just felt like these yeah, are my david sedaris years you know i just that's I just, fine it's different now it's different Road flying in a plane is different now <laughs> yeah. like everything is different now and you have to decide how you're you're engaging with whatever is different yeah and that is that's going to be and it's like that's what i mean it's like being in high school again and it's just like oh okay so i'm gonna have to figure out how to live in the world again and it's an opportunity it's like you're jumping off a cliff into something that's the great unknown you could go here and you go there and it's almost like i've never felt that way as much as i as much as then and now like in the yeah. 20 or 25 years that i've been an adult um i have not felt that juxtaposition or that dichotomy of opportunity and limitation mm -hmm. as much as i have right now and it's yeah. really intimidating and also your tendency is to like turtle <laughs> yeah i mean that and that could Which, be it is i just am like that is my tendency right just, and just for me i'm like i just I have to I, I think I just have to give it more time because I don't know I don't I don't trust myself to until I figure out how to navigate it yeah you know yeah like I need so this is something I wanted I actually wrote down that I wanted to talk about which was um confrontation versus information and I was thinking about it in terms of you know there's so many people in my life I am not one of them that hates confrontation and that's the word they use they're like well i don't want to you know tackle this situation because i hate confrontation and i heard somebody frame it the other day like um what if it's not confrontation what if it's just information mm -hmm. <laughs> like why does it have to be a fight why do you have to be on the defense maybe it's just information oh my god yeah and so i'm like i think that's a framework that's really helpful for me to consider because we all we're so quick to go on the defensive with everything and which certainly you can get there if the information is right you can get to confrontation but what about starting with information and then deciding whether it's a confrontation yeah and i think maybe like with this situation are you going into it as a confrontation mm -hmm. or are you going into it like okay there's opportunity for information here what exactly that's that's am I a seeking? very good point and I totally know what you mean because like Alex was the first long-term relationship I'd been in with somebody where like when we have conflict, that is more of what it feels like is like giving information back and forth. Even when one of us is angry, it's more just like trading information instead of confrontation where it's, and like when, so, and he can be like, when you did this, I felt like blah, 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 blah. And it really da 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 da. And it's like, oh, interesting. Instead of in previous relationships I've had with people where it's just like immediately like you know that defensiveness you and go like, to an attack you know and go into you know 
or or even I think you know I was always with people who were like no it didn't no it wasn't and it's like well I'm just telling you how I experienced it so there is no no it isn't right you know you can't say no you didn't feel that way um so I I and And just taking that initial like weight of emotion out of something Mm -hmm. it was like you know Dave had really bad credit and he was had all this emotion ah, about it and I was like well you know and then he felt that tackling that was confrontation but instead it was actually just information it was like okay well what is the situation and what is the information that would potentially lead you to not be in this situation (laughs) and then is that feasible or is it not like that's it it's not like you have to get all hotter you know hot and bothered about it yeah and so you're right like you're right i that was like a as much as I maybe kind of downplayed it, like getting COVID and having to miss that festival was a harder situation. I think, you know, I was complaining to my mom about it and she immediately was like, well, people are dying of COVID and you're just having an inconvenience, which is how my family handles confrontation. Right. Is to immediately downplay your feelings and to make you feel guilty for having them at all. Right. And so I immediately went into, you're right, I shouldn't be feeling bad about this. I should just... You know, why on earth would you not feel bad about it? I mean, it was something that you had planned for and budgeted for and spent time doing and invested your time and energy and your creativity into like what? Yeah, it was a huge disappointment. Whether you enjoyed it or not, it was uh, a you were derailed from it. I had some really good bagels. And at the same time, (laughs) you were ill, which is awful. Yeah. And you have been, you know, it's on on the heels of having been ill multiple times and having to, you know, like, give yourself some credit. Yeah, you're right. It's it's been such a weird time to try and do this job. Your life, yeah. (laughs) Your life is really tricky. And think about... And it's changed forever. I think, too, like, for a long time, a lot of us as comedians or performers or maybe it's just everybody, like... There was this end in sight of like, we're all going to get through this and then life is going to go back to normal. And now it's like, not as not only is there no end in sight, but now we have monkeypox. Well, but also it's never going back to normal and we still don't know everything that's changed. And also it's going to continue to change. Yeah. And so that feels like an incredible burden for all of us to have to carry having already carried it for this long with so much uncertainty, with so much fear, with so much sadness, like you want it to be over you can't keep going you have to keep going (laughs) (laughs) and you don't want to and like you know how many ways would I like to quit everything but I'm like but you can't really quit that so you know it's like don't lose sight of what you have and what you've managed to do and what successes you've achieved. And I am not in any way suggesting with this that you should stay in comedy. I am suggesting that you should give yourself some grace (laughs) (laughs) with your initial response back into it. You know, like I, I mentioned that flying is so much different. I mean, I was just, I had the worst, worst, worst experience flying. We went, we were like, we're going to take a vacation for the first time in two and a half years. And we decided to go to Santa Fe for some random reason. And we flew down and had our like N95 masks. And, you know, we're like, okay, well, we've got this. We can do this. 
and then they um, they lifted the mask requirement on flights while we were there and so then we had to fly back to Boise Boise Idaho where everybody was like never wearing masks again you're a fucking idiot if you're wearing a mask you know and it's like we're on the plane in our masks and I hated it so fucking much I hated every single person on that plane I hated the goddamn pilot I hated the fucking uh you know stewards because everybody was just such a jerk about it and I was like I never want to fly again I just don't I can't do it in this new exist with this new existence like it's horrible yeah yeah and but I'm like really (laughs) you're never flying in oh of course you are because also you hate road trips oh I love a road trip see (laughs) I would drive everywhere no problem and but gas yeah gas is so expensive and now we you know like when we were when we were at the hotel so like the day we were leaving when I was like start like I had COVID and I was feeling bad as we were walking through so I had double mask Mm -hmm. and as we're walking through I am standing with the cart with all the luggage and I were like pushing it through and the security guards like oh you don't have to wear a mask anymore yeah they took that down the mask man and I was like I literally have COVID (laughs) I literally have COVID right now and he was like but you don't have to wear a mask anymore and I was like I have like I'm not fucking with you I have COVID right now and it was just so like surreal and I don't know it so this is what I and think. even same like so, so we're driving home and I mostly peed by the side of the road but also like I said I was having some gastrointestinal issues so a couple times I did have to like run into an actual bathroom and I and I and 95 and like was very careful and I ran in and ran out but like it, one of the times that we were in this like shitty small town and I ran into the bathroom and like everybody's glaring at me for wearing yeah. a mask and I was like I literally have COVID <laughs> like I'm the only reason I'm using this bathroom is because it's not a pee by the side of the road issue it's like serious business and uh yeah it was so surreal like the dirty looks and stuff where I'm like all I'm doing is making sure I don't give you this terrible thing and everybody's mad at me it was very so I well, I think what I'm what I'm going to try and do is I'm just tabling a lot of things for now. Yeah. I'm just like, things were put on the table or tabled for us without our, on without our, cho- uh, without our choice, without our opinion for the last couple of years. And I'm like, I'm actually just putting that back on the table. I now. took it off and, and I tried it and, and, putting, it back and putting it back. Yeah. Yeah. And deciding not to decide about that kind of stuff until yeah. maybe there's a way that we can navigate it. That feels a little more, um, yeah healthy. and I mean I some of this is uh very much my uh Gemini personality mm. it, it, honestly I always forget you're a Gemini yeah, yep yeah wicked two-faced yeah terrible <laughs> inconstant but honestly because a big thing for me is like newness and I feel like I've kind of done everything in comedy that I needed to do like I feel like when I was down in Denver, I was like, I already did all this. I already did this. I already did all the sexism. I did the the booker I had to respond to with only thumbs up or he's mean to me. If I'm the, like in the least bit polite to him, he treats me like a woman. So I have to be like, I'm a man, you know, like <laughs> I was like, I already matched energy. Like I already did all this yeah. and I already didn't get paid enough for shows. And um, like, you know, like waited till the last minute to find I'm, I'm a headliner because the guy's waiting to see who else is in town. I was like, I already did all this. And I already did like, I just, I did, I felt like there's not, there didn't feel like there was anything new and fresh about it. 
like it's worse than before in a lot of ways and even weirdly more sexist which was like very surprising because I've been like we're doing it we're fixing it and I'm like it's worse it's worse it's way worse people are mad I'm doing abortion jokes again it's like oh man we're this is backsliding and I think that some of it is I I have a hard time doing stuff that feels like repetitive and um you know I don't know I, maybe I just I, I thought it would be fun to do something that felt scary you know to get into script writing and you know to sell a show to be a showrunner to do stuff that feels like it's out of my range to feels like it would be you know I, I just kind of felt like oh I, I kind of want to do something that feels new that feels different and comedy doesn't feel like it has a ton of like you know com there's a weird a weird thing with comedy because you're always building right like you start in these you're started as an open micer and then you're a, a host and then you're a feature and then you're a headliner and then you're a headliner and you're doing a hundred person rooms and you're doing 200 person rooms then a thousand then you're doing theaters and then um you know and and at some point you kind of are like, oh, I guess like if my goal isn't like I want to I want to do huge, huge theaters, which never was my goal. I don't want to do huge theaters like I, I like the intimacy of like a 200 person room is like my favorite thing. And so it's like I've kind of built to I've built such a cool thing and I'm so proud of myself. And I think it's amazing like the that I have such good fans who like have supported me along the way and who buy my stuff and like I have built something so amazing and I'm like okay that's done <laughs> like I don't I don't know I don't I feel like without a feeling of and maybe some of that is just capitalism that feeling of like you always have to be building you always have to be growing and it's like uh no you can you can actually just you know hang out and have a good time but I don't know some of it feels like that it's just maybe the Gemini and me being like I did all this I'm ready to go find something else thank you for the opportunity so I don't know. We'll see. Thank you for talking me through it, though. I uh, I don't know what'll happen, but I do have I have some dates with Jeff coming up, which I'm very looking forward to. We haven't toured together in years, and we were both feeling kind of burnt out on things. And he messaged and was like, "I want to come to Idaho. I want to do shows." So we're doing shows, um, and filming this fun, stupid documentary thing, which will be really a riot. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see him and to like. Maybe maybe he'll talk me back into it and I'll be like, these are great. I would never expect him to talk you into anything. <laughs> if nothing else, he will salute. You will like that. You are the person that makes decisions around that guy when he's like all waffly and like, <laughs> yeah, like everything clarifies for you. Yeah. And I say that with 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 all love. Yeah. You guys are you guys are friends and have been friends for a long time. But he, you're right. Yeah. And, and like, you know some of that is like where he's at he's opening for segura and he's like really hitting it hard and trying to make comedy work and like you know we've talked about like where he's at with it and when he's talking about it i'm like i am definitely <laughs> not we're not in i'm like watching your boat and being like good luck have fun out there i've got my burrows <laughs> you know so i don't know it's it's an interesting place it'll be fun to do those shows in june and i'm looking forward to all that but yeah i don't know we'll see and also I've had so much fun with like the Book of Holy Fuck project and writing lately. Writing is so like when it's going well, it's so satisfying. But give me a year of writing and I'll be like, this is so boring. Yeah. This is so lonely. I hate it. I'm at that point with writing. How's I'm your novel? Like, well, I finished my novel, but then, you know, I told you I just I can't I can't see it now. I can't read it and know anything about it. 
So, but then I'm like feeling guilty. Like I get, you got to get back in there. You got to sink your teeth into it. You got to really, and, um, yeah, I can't, I, I like every once in a while I'll have like an insight, like, oh, I really need to do that. But now I'm like, it's almost like, did I write a novel or, or am I just living with these characters now in my mind? So I'm giving them like weird backstories and back information that's totally irrelevant. <laughs> but just because they're so human to me now, like I I have all of this stuff about them that I could potentially put in there. But I'm like, is that just because I know them so well? You and, know? and maybe because it's like once you've finished a book, I feel like it's sometimes hard to let go of them. So you're like, yeah. I better I better add in that he really likes macaroni <laughs> with a little bit of paprika. Right. You know, like you add in those details. Yeah. It's that's a tough spot because I've heard some people finish something and jump into editing right away. And how I have always done with projects, um, partly because by the time you finish, you're so exhausted with a big project like that, um, is like I usually like set it aside and I don't read it until it feels like I didn't write it. Right. And that can be like three months, it can be a year, you never really know. So that then when I go back and I read it, it's more like I'm like, what is this? Why did you write that? That's stupid. Just fix this. Oh my God. And you don't have, you're not like, well, it's precious, so it's a precious baby. So it's always hard to tell like when you should go back in and start fucking with it because you can really ruin it so fast by like going in with early rewrites, you know? Yeah, I struggle with the creative um inspired mind versus the pragmatic mind those are that's my duality because i can be like really freewheeling like head in the clouds with the actual writing part but then i'm also just such a taskmaster mm -hmm. that i you know like that's how i wrote a novel was that i was like no you just break it down and you you know set a goal and you work towards it and so like that's what i really struggle with is like you have to be inspired, you have to be creative, you have to use your imagination. But also at the same time, I'm like, you have a word count. To yeah, hit. yeah, <laughs> so, you're very good about that. I'm more like, not feeling it today, not feeling it, not feeling it, you know, like I, I need to get less. Although I did for a number of years do the sit down and do 5,000 words every day thing. And what I wrote was like a lot of garbage. And I think that that's important early on because you need to be developing your voice and you need to get your skill. But as you become like a better writer, I think you kind of, you know, you've got it in that you can shift into the gear a little easier. But yeah, I haven't been, I am a noodler. Like I, and actually I'm, that's part of the reason I've been a hundred, 200 years ago, it would be fine if I wrote like an article every three years. I could support a family on that, you know? I would have written something well, for Harper's Bazaar. Yeah. But, but, or, <laughs> but, or like a novel, like, you know, it's not like Steinbeck wrote 58 novels. The amount of content we're expected to create now is just wild. Where, like, you know, I'm putting out like these like short 10,000 word stories and like doing a podcast with them. And it's all part of a bigger project I have in mind to do. I want to um, finish six of them and then see if I can sell it to HBO and film them as like horror shorts um, and like have like a, a series. But like, and I think it's a really cool idea and really fun, but um, they take me a long time to do, you know, they're like rough writing. And also a lot of times I won't be able to do something I, and, it, and it won't happen until like you and I are talking about something and then something will finally click and I'll be like, oh, I couldn't have written that until we had that conversation. So I... I have learned over the years to just trust the process like as long as it takes like that's what art does is you kind of have to live through things sometimes before you can finally like put it on paper or on canvas or on screen or whatever so 
I've gotten pretty good about like trusting how long it takes me. But I also like sometimes you'll be like, wow, at the amount of content some people produce can just be like, I'm slow. I'm a slow guy. You know, it takes me a long time to I'm 45. I've produced zero. I mean, you have a novel. <laughs> you have a novel. That's well, you not know, a small but thing. Like, you know, then compare yourself to Ronan Farrow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like, rich people don't count. Guy? No, no, no. We don't count rich people. Rich people do not count for anything because, like, yeah, if I had a nanny, if I had a nanny, hi, Dave. <laughs> it's Dave. You, ha- I have to tell you what a sweet man you are. When we went to that sip and swap the other night, and everybody was like, "Oh, who set up all these ladders? How smart, Dave." Yeah, Dave set up all of these ladders with rods so that all the ladies could hang up our clothes, and it was so organized and so great because of Dave. Yeah, and everybody was like. And not only did he go over and set those up, he came up with the idea. Yeah. Because I was like, I think I'm just going to go buy a bunch of clothing racks because I don't know how we're going to do this. This There was a lot of ladies. Exchange. There's there like was a all lot of these clothes, clothes yeah. and I'm like ironing stuff. And so then the night before, Dave's like, what if we took ladders and put closet rod between the ladders? And I was like, that's a genius idea. Yeah. And, and then he made it happen. You made the sip and swap and everybody was going like, Dave, every lady there. You had like 13 ladies going, that Dave, that Dave. I love That's, that Dave. It drives him nuts. He hates being best Dave ever. Yeah, Dave Appreciation Day, yeah. best Dave ever. Appreciation Dave. <laughs> Speaking of which, can you go over and pick up all those ladders at Lindsay's? <laughs> I didn't bring them home. (laughs) Alex, do you want a beer? There's beer in the fridge. Alex is great too. He didn't do anything for the sip and swap. And I mean, I hate to tell you this, but when I was uh, getting out of the car, I was like, are you going to carry my box of clothes to the door? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, I shouldn't even have had to ask. I mean, honestly, you should have just grabbed my box of clothes. And it was not very heavy. It was a very small box, but still... This yeah. is what happens once you marry them. Is there like carry your own box? <laughs> I have to carry plenty of my own boxes, but Dave is exceedingly helpful. Yeah. But I think one of the things that he does is that he involves himself in the way that he he can be helpful and wants to be involved. So then he doesn't have to do the other stuff. Then he can leave. Yeah. yeah. He was like so <laughs> stoked that I was going to be out of the house for an entire <laughs> evening. He's like, oh, I got this ladder set up, babe. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go over now before everybody gets there and get this set up. And I'm like, yeah, because you want me to get out. Like, oh, my God. OK. <laughs> we should tell myself. people what we did, though, because it was really fun. It was very sweet. And um, so my sister wanted to have a clothing swap. And so we wrangled our friend Lindsay, who lives just one block over mm-hmm. from me. Uh, into hosting and then we invited all of our friends and everybody brought their clothes and accessories and shoes and things that they no longer wanted or no longer fit or that just didn't uh, spark joy anymore and we set up like a boutique and uh, and it was such cute stuff everybody yeah. brought the cutest stuff except for me <laughs> I was really like, oh, um, I brought some weird sweaters and some pants that are never going to fit but me But then again. what happened? You got some weird sweaters. I got some weird sweaters. <laughs> I got these earrings. I got this men's overshirt. And uh, I got these shoes from you, which your sister was like, I got you those. And you were like, they're too small or maybe big. I don't know. But thank you for Yeah, your I ended up going through my closet and just like being ruthless. Yeah. I was like, I'm never going back to this stuff. If it doesn't fit, if I don't like it, if I put it on and it like binds in the shoulders, I'm just like, I'm just, just purging it. 
And uh, it was really great. I actually, my goal was to come home with nothing, but I came home with just a small handful of things. I did get a pair of sunglasses, a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses. Oh man, whoever that, that was, was like, she brought like, she Balen brought, like Balenciaga. Like 17 pairs of sunglasses. I was like, who is this person? <laughs> Amazing. And I got I all that stuff. a pair of earrings, um, but I managed to get rid of like 40 pairs of earrings. Yeah, I got I got quite a few of them. I, because, because you had a good system of like, everybody goes through and they pick, um, hey babe, will you call Henry? He's calling me. Thank you. Um, you pick like two things. Um, and I like the clothes were no nothing was really in my size and uh, were really my style a lot of it. But um, I, I, so every time I just went through and like picked two more earrings. So I got a bunch of earrings and some shoes and and it was also just fun. Later, I was I was thinking like, oh, so I grew up in a house full of women. Like I have three stepsisters and my mom and my grandma and my aunts. And like there were always a bunch of women over at our house and I grew up with like all of this constant feminine energy. Um, and now you live and now in I live. man land. Yeah, and now it's just, <laughs> it, I live with so many boys. Um, but it was so, it's always so fun to me to be in a group of women like that again. Like I just love the energy of women and I love to be in a big group like that. And I love how, like, how loud women get and how they just like cackle. I just love it. I love to be around just a big, slightly drunk group of women who are just like howling with laughter and having such a good time. It's just, there's nothing like it. There's just really. And well, and honestly, we don't have any friends that are like um, shy or mincing no, or no. like wallflowers at all. No, everybody like, has... everybody's like big personality. Yeah. So um, it's for me, I love that because I feel like I, if I'm just in like a general public group of women, I feel very self-conscious because I am loud and I am like I have a distinctive presence, mm -hmm. which feels very big and weird. Uh, totally. Same. And yeah. so, um, you know, I was probably I probably had uh, too much Pim's cup and we were reading these really sort of um juicy tarot cards yeah you, at the end i love watching you in hostess mode I, I have like as one of your friends i love since we've known each other you've invited me always to these wonderful parties full of women and like best girls night you used to do and i always love watching you like in hostess mode um because you're so good at it and you're also just like such a light i feel like i always like fall in love with you as a friend like a little more every time I see you in hostess mode. And that was so cute because you brought these cards and then you had everybody pull a card and had everybody read them. And then you were just like howling in the middle of all of it. And it was so great. Well, and I think I, I trust everybody that I know enough that I you can tease people mm -hmm. and you can, um, you know, you just like, I love that ribbing energy of that, that and that cam camaraderie. Um, and it and I was thinking like as it was happening, I was like in most groups, people would be like, that girl is awful. <laughs> but because it was like a hand picked group. Oh, of people, it was it was a bunch of awful gals. We were all there just like <laughs> you know? I was like, I'm not going to say anything tonight that offends anybody, even though I'm totally offensive. <laughs> it was so great. It was it was so fun and sweet and um it made me think too, like, uh, I think so often I've heard men kind of like make fun of the way women talk to each other and the way women treat each other and act like that, like the way they treat one another is better, the way that they're like mean to each other. And I've recently been around a lot of men because of comedy. 
and the men are so mean to each other and i know that's like their thing and it's like a better way to do things they think and i'm like it's not the way you guys treat each other is garbage and the just like constant like belittling and shittiness uh i'm just like uh yeah i guess enjoy it but i'm over here with these women who are like that looks amazing on you everybody was you picking things out for other people yeah, and saying that was, oh my gosh i thought of you when i brought this i, I thought you people were using this. their picks to get something for someone else yeah. and bringing it and being like oh my god sorry but this like strangers who were who didn't even know each other were like i don't know i just saw you wearing hearts and that and like i thought you would look so cute in this and I saw women doing that to each other all, and I was just like, I love women. I yeah. love that energy. <laughs> I love the way they're so kind to one another and so gracious and generous with their, and that when I was down in um, Denver and I had to deal with that booker who repeatedly has been shitty to me. Um, and I was like, every time I have to do that thing where I match male energy, where you're just mm -hmm. like, where you're rude and you're mean and you can't be treated like a professional if you're at all like, hi, thank you so much for having me. And like, even at the show, I have to be like, what's up dude you know and i hate it because i don't think that's right like i don't think we should be having to match that energy i think they should get their shit together and that men should start being nice to each other and nice to other people and treating each other with like you know politeness and dignity and a little kindness and enthusiasm thrown in and it was like the perfect foil being at that that whole thing with those women who people were like hair is so shiny you're so pretty i hear you're a comedian that's so cool you know i was like god this is such a different so energy validating. yeah <laughs> validating so nice. energy yeah and it's funny because men will always be like women hate each other women hate each other i'm like never seen it <laughs> only heard men talk about it only had men tell me like i heard you hate so-and-so and i'm like i don't even know that person and like yeah i heard you guys are in a real feud like there was a female comic who um who was playing a club near Denver and it's someone who repeatedly people have said like oh I hear I hear you guys have like you guys are have a feud going on we've met twice and we have no Ill, Ill will like when I have talked to her it's been perfectly pleasant and I but like men want to believe that we hate each other because they hate each other so much and, and they, everything's a big competition yeah everything they feel like oh you know there's I can't accommodate another man because he might be trying to get my a job b woman c pizza and they're also, oh my God, like the, we, I forget how gay men are. Like you're around a group of them and they're like mean to each other, but they're also like, <laughs> like grabbing each other's butts and stuff. And I'm like, just fuck, <laughs> just fuck, please. For the love of God. Like it's the way they treat each other is so, so much wrong posturing. and awful. And, and it's, you know, for years, my whole life, it's been like, no, but they're right. And the way they act is you know better and then women are so silly women are so silly they just gossip they're just standing around gossiping all and they the just time. oh you know women dress for other women and they're so mean to each other and blah 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 and then you're around women you're like none of this is true well and if we're dressing for other women it's because we know that they're going to tell us that they like our dress yes exactly <laughs> i i do dress was, for other women because i know they will compliment me <laughs> that was the most i have dressed up in ages when i went to that party like i really was like what shoes am i going to wear but it was partly because like when i dress up and there's a bunch of men it's because it's like you're trying to get raped i'm trying to get raped yeah i definitely uh i definitely try to um you know what i remembered the other day that whole like because that you know that von ellinger thing was going on that trial here that rape case and they were talking about like how short was her skirt how mm -hmm. short was her skirt and i was like i have been sexually harassed multiple times in my b suit like do you like when people are like what was she wearing a b suit she was wearing a literal <laughs> beekeeping suit 
Not dressed like a bee, to be clear. I was wearing my beekeeping suit. It was a suit. sexy bee suit. It was a sexy bee suit, yeah. No, wearing my beekeeping. Oh, it's just the most tired, tired, tired. Tired. Defense. But yeah, I like, it's funny because, you know, when you're dressing to be around men, a lot of times I'm covering up. Or if I am dr- dressing sexy, it's like you have to really shift into that mindset. You know, if you're going tits out, yeah, you're like cleavage contest. You're like, you're okay, get up. you're like, you got to be ready. You got to be ready for that energy. You got to be ready for it. But like with women, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to wear something cute. And then everybody there was like, oh my God, that color's so flattering on you. And I was like, thank you. Um, they really liked my bee suit in other words, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And I always appreciate being uh, invited to those things that you do because you're, you and your sisters are, your whole family. You're just uh, amazing at throwing parties you know and we do love a party yeah I I learned that early on from my mom <laughs> she's just the classic party thrower um, and then it was actually not just a party because in the end we had piles and piles and piles of stuff left over that nobody wanted and so we were able to donate it to this amazing nonprofit called the closet and um, they put together a boutique for teens who maybe maybe don't have access to um new clothing um like um and then so so kids can make an appointment to go in and shop at this boutique and we were able to provide them with you know new trendy clothing there were that tags might on all actually stuff. That's yeah amazing might That's actually great. be something that a kid who's in foster care or um you know homeless could go in and get some cool clothes so i felt really good about that it was cute too because i the last and jewelry and accessories like you know shoes there were so many shoes yeah like really fun things that you like i like to know that that's going to somebody who gets to pick something out and it was all quality clean quality dry cleaned yeah fun stuff very nice you were like i'm ironing all my stuff i was like oh (laughs) fuck okay i better get my shit i had a box full of stuff like all right like i'm getting hangers i've got it together yeah i had a really nice time so thank you for the invite Yeah, yeah it was really fun I was really happy you came and uh, I was glad you were over COVID and felt well enough to come and we did it outside mostly too and it was a nice nice day so yeah. it felt good to be out yeah only perfect. rain just for a only few, rain. Few seconds. Only just rained a bit and it was a little windy <laughs> but yeah um I, th- I don't know do you have anything else um let's see I don't Got think your list? so I didn't make a list I forgot this time um babe anything else happen interesting to me Oh, I do have a, uh, sorry. I have an update, Ooh. a shopping update since we're talking about shopping. So, you know, for many, many um, years, we've been talking about how I couldn't find a shoe for an everyday shoe. And I've been wearing Toms and I loathe Toms. They provide no support. They're just crap. And I just wear them out. My my legs hurt from standing in Toms. So I found my shoe. You did. I found my shoe. And it is a type of shoe, not a brand of shoe. It is called a Turkish Yemeni shoe. Oh, those are cute. So this is the like really cute uh, style that I like, but they come in all kinds of styles. So it's more just a loafer and uh, it's made out of the softest buttery leather that is so comfortable. And the entire shoe is leather. And then it has a sole. Um, And so there's a brand called Saba, which is really famous. And they're expensive Turkish shoes. But you can also just go go to Etsy and search for Turkish Yemeni shoes. 
and there's millions of styles and they have sometimes decorative decorative stitching these have the little turned up toe i like um, the the little genie toe but they uh i just got some for my mom and they're um they come in every single color every kind of leather but the whole thing is that they're the soft leather and they don't give you a blister with it which no blisters i can stand in them forever nice and they just like i don't want to wear anything else they are so comfortable so i got myself yay um several pairs when i was in santa fe because i was like oh my gosh there's this turkish shop and i remember when i was in turkey and i went to the grand bazaar and i got all these fantastic shoes but that was 20 years ago and I was like, that's the shoe. That's the one. <laughs> there she is. Because like the longer you wear them, the more they fit to your feet. Mm-hmm. And they just are like, oh, they're so comfortable. So I ended up ordering a couple more pairs. They do like the laser cut so you can get like patterned ones. And Cute. Well, congrats on finding a shoe. Yeah, finally. I found my shoe. I'm sure everybody was just waiting with <laughs> bated breath. What is Jocelyn going to do? Because, yeah, it's been maybe five six years of toms and i've hated it yeah yeah yeah. so now i know and and uh they're historical like they they a lot of people buy them to wear with um historical recreation stuff oh cute (laughs) you know like renaissance clothes and things of course that's what you got of course (laughs) and i was like oh but they're totally modern you can just wear them so i'm gonna um, get some they're really cute i'm gonna get some yeah you will love them yeah, I have funny feet too. So yeah, I just wear flip. Well, and I got some for my mom. You know, she has, she was a ballerina, so her feet are wrecked. <laughs> yeah, and then she worked retail for so many years in high heels, and so she just has the hardest time. And um, I got her red ones with a turned up toe, and they are just adorable on her and so comfortable. Oh, cute. All right. So shoe update. Shoe update. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I don't think I have anything. Um, <sighs> I'm just, you know, doing a huge career change. Just got COVID. Um, oh, Calvin is done with high school. Oh my god! I got god. a kid through high school. He graduates on Monday, but he's done. And uh, so it's to be determined how well he turned out. But yeah, yeah. But he <laughs> did it. Oh my god! From that text. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck what? That's a friend of mine who um, he is from Afghanistan. So uh, I tweeted the actual text if people want to look at it, but um, we've been friends for like five or six years and he's from Afghanistan. He's very strict Muslim and we've been friends for a long time and we get into it over politics and religion and, you know, women's rights and a lot of things all the time. And we always just have like these very interesting discussions, but we hadn't talked in a while and he sent me that and he asked how we were doing. And I said, oh my gosh, Calvin, he knows the kids. And I said, Calvin finished high school and he was like, oh, it's just too hard to be a single mom there shouldn't be single moms and I was like I mean I did a pretty good job Uh, I think the kids turned out okay and he was like well too soon to tell and I was like he's 19 and he was like it's just too hard of a job for a single mom to do by herself and I was like how the fuck would you know what what are you even talking about and I was like I feel like I did a a decent job of raising a man like I think I did okay and he was just like nope (laughs) <laughs> no, you too hard of a job. Too hard of a job. It was so weird. And I've always for years, you know, a lot of times when we're arguing about something and he goes a little far that way, I'll be like, maybe there's a language barrier. You know, like culturally, the, culturally there's going to be a difference between us. But this time I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? And I kind of went off on him. And in the end, he was like, well, I just meant like it is really difficult and you're 
you should be praised for sticking with it. I was like, thanks. Because I had an option. Yeah, like I, <laughs> like I had an option, but I was like, cool, man. Thanks a bunch. But yeah, that was pretty funny. So we'll see how Calvin turns out now that yeah. he's... Well, congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment. I know. I got one through high school. And I, yeah. I always think the kids get so much praise for for <laughs> finishing school. And I'm just like, can we just talk about how hard it is to get the kids through school? Although I will say, surprisingly, autism and all, man, Calvin has always been the kind of kid because he likes structure right. and he likes the syllabus and he likes to, he likes expectations. And Calvin is the kid that I'm like, how's uh How's it? How are? How is it? How are you doing? And he's like, good, fine, straight A's. Everything's turned in. Like he, I never really have had to do a ton with him for school. He just always, he really loves, you know, you tell tell me to do this, and then I do this, and so he, he's always done really well with school. But yeah, he did great, and um, and he's going to college, and he's going to college, and he's very excited for college, and. You know, it's funny. He has no opinion on it one way or another. I'm like, how's it feel to be out of high school? He's like, I don't know. Fine. <laughs> like he has no opinion. Uh, so he I doesn't have anything to compare it to. Honestly, yeah, that's he's only true. ever gone to school for his whole life. So and you're right. That is such a weird. I mean, I um, had a suicide attempt uh, my first year of college, partly because I got kicked out when I was 17 and you know, I was working two jobs and trying to go to BSU and I graduated college and you know, I was just like really burned out because I, I was drinking I dropped a lot. out of college before I went to college. I did not go, even though I had good grades. I had a full scholarship. Like I lost my shit. It's this a summer hard between summer. High school and yeah, and I didn't go. I didn't go till the next January. It's a hard. I feel like that summer when you sort of realize, like, you know that's it you're an adult you're everything is different now I think that's maybe one of the reasons I'm trying to kind of keep Calvin from that to some degree because I'm just like you can live with us you're just living with us you just chill out you know it doesn't have to be some big thing you're just starting a new school right also, it's already going to be a big change so how about not making it everything change how yeah about just having some things change yeah yeah <laughs> you don't have to kick somebody out when they're 17 and I expect mean, them to be a full adult maybe but. you do maybe, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not speaking for for all parents because certainly yeah there's some that should just kick their kids out but he's very ex he's very excited for college and I'm excited for him and I'm proud of myself that I got a kid through like I'm like I got a kid through through high school one of them and I did it and it was not always you know he was he was very good about nobody stuff, can take that away from easy. you yeah, I did it. Nobody can take it away. <laughs> Even weird guy texting you can't take it away from you. Who well, says I have tried. to wait a few more years to see if I did a good job. I'm like, I mean, he's, he can vote. Good man enough. can vote. Good enough. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. That's all for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, good enough. Yeah. I think we did a good job. We did a good job. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. Um, if you're in Bozeman, Boise or Bozeman, I have some shows with Jeff Tate coming up in June. Um, I'm so sorry to cancel those Midwest dates. I am really, really sad about that. Um, but it, <laughs> I love Bodie coming and sticking his face. He would have just said thank you to Alex for, I think, telling him to leave. He would just sat and listen. He just, yeah, he, yeah, I'm always like, I'm working out right now. I don't need an audience. And it's like surprising to him yeah. that you wouldn't just want him standing there looming. <laughs> he just wants to, he was, he's very interested. Yeah. He, he was like, what are you guys going to talk about? And he's not like, a bad presence. Stuff. A lady stuff. No, not at all. <laughs> but maybe this just not appropriate content. Yeah. No. Always. Not always. So. Um, 
Um, and yeah, I'll be around this summer. So you probably should catch me this summer if you can. Uh, if not, we'll see how the fall goes. But farewell tour. Farewell tour, baby. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Thank you guys for li- for listening. And the uh, podcast will be up. Alex is going to get those up very He's soon. He's on it. He's on it. He's going to do it. Super. Cool. Love right, you. Love you. Bye. Bye.